Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode has worked with Power 5 sports teams, Fortune 500 companies, U.S. national teams, and many, many more. He is the CEO of Pazic Performance Group. You can get his free mental game booklet at PazicPerformanceGroup.com, linked up here. He is also the author of Ask More, Tell Less for Coaches. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Tyler Pazic. Wake up, today's going to be a good day. Wake up, today's going to be a good day. Wake up. Today's gonna be a good day. Wake up. Today's gonna be a good day. Wake up. Today's gonna be Tyler. How are you doing today? Great, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad, to, excited to have you on. I think in all my episodes, I think this is the uh, first guest named Tyler. So excited to to double up the the Tyler wisdom today. Um, mostly coming from you on this episode. So um, to start, wanted to. Just let people know how, a little bit about your journey, how you got into mental performance coaching and then what you mainly do now. Yeah, so I think, uh, well, my coaching journey started when I was like nine years old, really, I would say. Um, I was playing on a little league team and I got pulled from the game and I sat on the end of the bench and I was crying, I think, but um, my, cause I don't know why I just got pulled. You know, and then my coach comes down an inning later and he's like, Tyler, when I put you at second base, we need you to play second base. You can't be over there at shortstop trying to teach our shortstop how to feel the ground ball. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But uh, so <clears throat> I would say that my coaching started then. And then when I was uh, 19, I coached a 15U team and I coached in that same travel organization, which was the Illinois Indians. And I'm actually helping them out again this summer. Um, Illinois Indians travel baseball out of Chicago area. And I coached with them through the time I was 24. And when I was 23, I just got done playing baseball at Indiana State, which is a division one baseball team in Terre Haute, Indiana. And after I got done with them, I was supposed to be the college assistant coach for the, for the Metro League, which is a college league outside of Chicago. And the first day the head coach quit. And so I was the assistant coach and then I got elevated to the head coach. So I'm a 23 year old coaching. Literally there were other 23 year olds on my team and everything. And I coached that for two years. And after college I got done and I was like working three different jobs, waking up at five or six every morning, going to bed at 10 or 11 at night. And I'm like, there's just gotta be a better way. And so I was like, okay, what do I love to do? Well, I love to coach and like, what type of coach do I want to be? And Mm. I took a sports psychology class in undergrad. And then I had been diving into it a little bit more after, after college. And I looked it up and I was like, okay, can, can you make money being a, like a mental coach, you know, and sure enough you can. And so then I like applied to all the different programs in the country and decided on going to TCU down in Fort Worth, Texas. And one of my mentors that I worked for while I was down there was Brian Kane, who was also on your podcast. And he really taught me the business side of mental performance, which I'm so grateful for because without him, I I wouldn't have my business for sure. 
And then the other guy that was pivotal in my in my journey is Nelson Gord, who owns the Illinois travel baseball program that I just talked about, because he's the one who actually sent me down to meet Kane in person for a weekend experience with him and whatnot. And, uh, and when I went to TCU, I would be up at 4am going over to Kane's house and, you know, riding bikes, going on runs, just sort of picking his brain and learning from him for those two years that I lived down there. And uh, yeah. And then afterwards I started my own business, the PASIC performance group. And now we work with everywhere from nine year old, nine years old to 90 years old, you know, anybody that wants to get better at mental performance, but mainly in the baseball, softball, basketball world um, at the high school and college and professional levels. So, and then the three pillars that I talk about a lot are confidence, leadership, and communication skills. Um, those are the three that I really focus on. So that's, that's sort of how I got started. Gotcha. A couple of questions on, on your journey. I guess, uh, one, um, for young coaches, what, what was, uh, maybe a challenge and something you overcame is, you know, being a 23 year old coach and kind of coaching people that were your same age. What mm. was, what was, uh, something you kind of took from that experience? Uh, so I think the fact that I had really, I had already four years of coaching under my belt because I had coached as an assistant coach and a head coach um, in the summers throughout my um, time at Indiana State. So, you know, when I was 19, I was coaching 15-year-olds. When I was 20, I was coaching all sorts of teams. I was the guy that – I was the rover. You know, I was like, hey, who needs a coach? Cool. Who needs a coach? Who, who needs a player also? Because I was still playing at the time. And so I would just go and play games and then coach whenever I could. And so – when I was 23, I felt like I was actually ready for that position. Um, and I, I remember when I was 22, I was still coaching uh, the younger kids in high school. <clears throat> and there was a guy that I went to be the assistant coach with and he was the head coach. And we get done with the game and we're sitting in his car to drive home afterwards. Cause he drove me to that game. And I'm like, was this your first game that you've ever coached? And he's like four years older than me. So at the time he was probably like 26, 27. And he's like, yes actually like how did you know and I'm like man there's just some things that you did that I could tell you were like a first-time head coach like super emotional um you know sort of coaching them in the game like yelling at them from the dugout like hey we got to be better we got to make this throw to this place and so on and so forth and um so it really didn't feel like uh there was much of a challenge there and also I think it helped that I was coaching college kids and I just got done with college. So there was already instant rapport and sure. like I spoke their language yeah. um, and I really just wanted to have fun and, and kick ass <laughs> while, uh, while we were playing. So um, it felt natural to me. Yeah. No, have fun and kick ass. Most kids that age, will, uh, you do that, right. They'll, they'll rally behind that. Right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And actually one of the things that I feel like I did really well that year was I set the expectation ahead of time. Yeah. So like I set that expectation that we're going to work hard and that we're going to be tough. Uh, we were the Illinois Indians. So we call ourselves the tribe. And I came up with the five values for tribe, which are toughness, respect, integrity, be in the moment and energy. And so I would always come back to those five values of the organization whenever I was talking to them. And I feel like that really helped catapult us to, um, to be better than what our skill level told us we were going to be, awesome. you know, like there was that synergistic effect to it. Yeah. 
and uh follow up on on Kaner. so let me get this also right you you got sent down to his house and you didn't really know who who he was or what kind of energy he brought is that is that kind of correct yeah that's true <laughs> i was like i love uh as you mentioned he's been on the podcast i think well uh i've heard you on his podcast uh one of the best in the business i think when i you know people that point you to that it's there's so much you can learn from brian um, one of the things on that podcast you talked about, and you talked about your experience with, with TCU and the kind of academic side, um, talk about the dichotomy of what you learned from someone like Brian in that applied world versus kind of that academic TCU and, and really in your work today, what pans out on a day-to-day? <laughs> I would say that there's really three different areas of sports psychology. And I think I mentioned this on that podcast, but you have the applied side, which I got from Kane, and then you have the research side, which I got from going to TCU, and then you have the clinical side, which I plan on going and get my, getting my PhD in counseling psychology to sort of give me that well-rounded um, view and really help me as a sports psych be able to help other people. But uh, from Kane, I yeah, I got those applied strategies, like how to actually take the research and put it into play um, with those athletes on the field. I would say that that's one thing that makes me a little different is that like I can help athletes on the field, not just off the field. And I think originally um, people come to me and they want, or parents come to me with their kids and they want them to be like more fulfilled off the field because they see their kid is you know sad when they come home or um they might not be themselves right they don't know who they are so they want those off the field sort of life skills but then when i talk to the athlete it's through that realm of sport so we talk a lot about the on-field strategies that they can employ and then once we get the understanding that okay like sport is a strategy game at the end of the day, then we can take that into life and be like, okay, life is a strategy game as well. Um, So I would say going back to your question, like what did I get from him? It's like the, the on field stuff. And then what I got from TCU is like how to look at research, how to critically think about the research and dissect it and then take the aspects that they're doing this research on and apply them straight onto the field with, uh, with athletes, you know, a lot of that is meditation, I would say, but also just this morning, I was working with um, this girl, Emily Meyer, who's a top 20 CrossFit athlete in the world. And we were talking about the alter ego effect, which there's a lot of research out there about taking on this alternative personality to ultimately help you perform when you need to perform. Yeah. Um, so that would be, again, taking the research and then putting it into play in uh, her realm, which is CrossFit, but it works with works with all sports and really any profession um, that you want to get into. Talk, let's let's talk about the the ego, the the alter ego state. Because I think I've had another guest also talk about how you know even sometimes you know being able to talk to yourself and create that ego, like you know, help create self talk by giving it a name naming naming who that other person is you're talking to um talk more about the the kind of alter ego yeah so um the guy who popularized the alter ego is todd herman who's another mental performance coach and he wrote a book called the alter ego effect which um, i highly recommend it's a really good really good quick read he brings up a lot of research 
um, in it. And then his stories are pretty intriguing as well. But he talks about like Superman and Clark Kent. And he's like, which when when you think about Superman and Clark Kent, like which one is the alter ego? And most people, they would say, oh, Superman's alter ego. But it wasn't like Superman was who he was. And he needed to create this alter ego of Clark Kent to blend into society so that he could study humans, you know. So in sport, your alter ego is this persona that you're taking on that exhibits the values and character skills that you need in order to perform at your highest level so maybe in maybe in life or maybe if if you're a high school student or a college a college athlete or even a parent maybe in in life and at work you're this um sort of introverted quiet person that has a lot of self-doubt about like who they are and what they're doing well you can create this alter ego that when you step into it um this alter ego is the opposite of that it's this extroverted, like high energy, outgoing, um, confident person. And by taking on this alter ego, when you go into that domain, whatever it might be, and you start acting like them over time, you become more of that person. You basically build up evidence in the case um, that you are that person. And then before you know it, you're just acting like that all the time. And you go from this person that was experiencing a lot of self-doubt to this person that now all of a sudden is experiencing a lot of self-confidence in that realm. Um, one person that I think about is Richard Mendenhall. Have you ever heard that name? He's yeah. a running back for the Steelers. So he actually went to my high school. And fun fact about him, my sister was his clarinet stand partner in uh, high school. Oh, but that's talented. <laughs> yeah but uh after he got done playing with the Steelers he was a writer for the HBO show Ballers yeah. uh, with The Rock and whatnot and he talked about how like when he first started writing for that show he just could not focus and so he thought back to a he thought back to when he was training for football he's like how could I get so locked in like instantly as soon as I got on the field to to warm up and start practicing and stuff like that but when I sit down my it's like I have a scatterbrain and so he's like, well, the one thing I always did right before I went out there and practice was I would put my headphones on. He's like, so maybe if I put my headphones on here, I'll be able to also have that elite focus and be able to sit down and just write. And so sure enough, he would just put his headphones on and literally just that action of him putting on the headphones helped him focus on writing. And so that was the, again, that alter ego effect that, and then also that goes into a different skill um, in mental performance, which I talk about a lot, which is like um, mental triggers that you have. Mm-hmm. So like humans love to give meaning to things, right? And so he was putting meaning and he was putting an intention behind this physical action. It was like a mental checkpoint for him to check in with himself. So he would do that physical action of putting on his headphones. And then he had the intention of being focused while he was writing and that can carry over into really anything that you do it might be um when you go to the when you go to the field maybe you're a football player and it's like as soon as i put on my pads this is like me turning into this aggressive mindset um and this like beast out there on the field um or when you go up to the plate as a baseball player you know, you tap your cleats with your bat and by tapping your cleats with your bat, you're telling yourself, all right, hit the ball hard. Right. 
And so you're just simplifying the process for yourself and you're giving yourself an intention and a focus to help you perform in that area. Love it. Tons of tools and knowledge to take away. Uh, you mentioned the book Alter Ego by Tom Herman. Another great book I've heard you mention. I've read uh, uh, The Mind Gym by Gary Mack. Um, what are some other books that uh, you either recommend or, or that you've enjoyed recently in kind of the sports psych realm? Um, so the first book that pops to mind, and I, uh, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I will. Uh, Who did? Is, is uh, <laughs> Ask More, Tell Less for Coaches which I wrote with Greg Warburton and it's all about communication skills and being able to communicate with your coaches and athletes at a higher level. And there's like so many different strategies in there that help you improve your, your communication skills. Like one of them, for instance, is, is being more specific with your question asking. So instead of just asking a kid like, Hey, why'd you do that? Which could come off as very judgmental, um, usually just by saying the word why it's like somebody's poking you in the chest, right? So instead of saying, why did you do that? You could say, Hey, what's one reason that you decided to do what you just did. Right. And now all of a sudden that's, first of all, getting you on the same side of the issue with your athlete instead of you versus your athlete. And like you having that power dynamic, you're getting rid of that and looking at the issue as it is, which is just the issue. The problem is the problem. The person is not the problem. Right. And so uh, you ask that question and then not only that, it simplifies the process for them. They don't have to give you all the answers or all the reasons. They just need to give you maybe one reason to get you started. And then um, a common answer to that question is, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. It's like, okay, well, like what's one thought that pops to mind around why you might've done that. Right. Mm -hmm. Or what's, you know, give yourself a minute to think, you know, after you think for a minute, what do you think about what's a reason that you did that? Um, or, okay, you might not know right now, but let's go home and sleep on it. And then we'll talk about it again tomorrow. Right. So um, you're opening up the conversation now, instead of just you telling them to fix something or yeah. you really imparting uh, yourself on the on the situation instead of like helping them bolster that self-reliance you're gonna get you're gonna get as a coach you're gonna get better feedback and i think you know when you get into real you want deliberate feedback you want high quality feedback and it needs to be a two-way street with athletes and coaches often so i think yeah it, those kind of techniques i think one i always try to use too is how'd you experience that play right i mean kind of like you know and Again, try to remove some judgment of how I experienced observing the play as a coach, but uh, I, I love little things like that. We'll link up your book as well. Any other ones that kind of come to mind? Uh, so ask more, tell less is a really good one for communication skills. Another one that's really good for communication is boundary boss by Terry Cole. Okay. Uh, she writes it for women, but I mean, it's applicable to everybody. Um, right. And I actually like, how she wrote it because I'm obviously a guy. So like kind of learning that side of things and how mm -hmm. emails um, see the world um, and how she helps females really helps me be a better coach when I'm working sure. with female athletes as well. So those two, those two are really good. Um, and then one of the only books that I've read in one sitting 
is Living with a Seal by Jesse Itzler. Yeah, okay. And I think I just, I opened it up one morning and I didn't put it down until I finished it. And <laughs> it was awesome. But yeah, it's all about this multi-millionaire. I think Jesse Itzler is worth like two or $300 million. And uh, he hires David Goggins. Before David Goggins was really? David Goggins. Yeah. Um, he hired him to train him for 31 days. And it's sort of their um, their journey together throughout those 31 days and just how hard David Goggins pushed him and what he learned yeah. from David Goggins. It's I think it's an awesome book. I have recommended it to people that were like, oh yeah, it came off as he just seems so egotistical and whatnot. But um, you know, I've only really gotten one or two of those and I've recommended and have, I've read that book too with um, at this point, probably hundreds of people. Cool. Very cool. Um, we'll link up your website here as well, but I know if you go there, one of your uh, resources, there was uh, caught my attention, 12 reasons you suck as a leader. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, looking at that list, since it's the Elevate podcast, we're just going to jump to number eight. It was, you can't fail. And then you said something in there in the text I wanted you to talk about because I thought it was interesting. Uh, winners lose more than losers lose. Winners lose more than losers lose. Explain, mm-hmm. that, explain that a little bit. Uh, winners lose more than losers lose. So there's sort of something I've been talking about a lot lately actually over the last uh, probably a couple of months and it's that the world doesn't necessarily reward effort the world rewards execution and the paradox of that is that in order to execute at a high level to the point that the world rewards you you have to put out an insane amount of effort You have to be willing to put yourself out there over and over and over again and fail over and over and over again, and then go back and reassess why you failed and critically assess yourself and then come up with a new strategy that you're going to implement moving forward. Right. And so when I say losers or winners lose more than losers lose, what I'm referring to there is that the winner has put themselves out there so many times they've put themselves, they've put out the effort so many times with these different strategies that they're partaking in that um, they finally find one that works. And that's why they ultimately wind up winning. Um, Whereas the loser, they fail once and then they give up or they fail once and then they quit. Whereas the winner, they fail over and over and over again. and, And they understand that, okay, like even if I fall on my face, like I'm falling forward. There's no such thing as one step forward, two steps back. That might what it that might be what it feels like because you're falling on your face. But really, if you see it as like you're still just falling forward, um, you'll ultimately be moving towards that point where the world rewards you for your effort, which is you know at that point where you're getting rewarded for the execution of um, that that play or um, your your skill set. Love it. Um, one other question we always like to ask as we wrap up, we could uh, wave a magic wand and tomorrow morning, every student athlete out there is blessed with a, a mental skill. Uh, what are they going to wake up with tomorrow? Hmm. It's your magic wand. So do it, do what you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the magic skill that everybody has 
is the ability to to catch their thoughts and then accept their thoughts and replace them if they must. So uh, I come back to this, like this is how you basically restructure your brain. And a lot of athletes don't understand that they're always thinking. I just did a, I worked with a high school out in Maine. Uh, what was that? Like a, a month or two ago now. And at the end, we were talking about their number one takeaways from the weekend. And one of the girls was like, you know, I just thought this was an empty space up here. But now I realize that like, I'm always thinking about something. And so it's either a productive thought or an unproductive thought, and it's being able to refocus back onto the productive ones. And so the acronym CAR, C-A-R, is probably the skill that I would I would teach everybody or if everybody woke up in the morning, it would be that because you need the ability to catch your thoughts in order to change them. And you need to be willing to accept them in order to move forward. You don't need to like everything you thought, said and did and believed, but you do need to accept it in order to change it. And, and then, yeah, like cars replace or run. So like you catch your thought, you admit and accept it. And then you either replace it if it's unproductive or you run with it if it is productive. Like sometimes you catch yourself having fun. Like you don't want to, you don't want to replace <laughs> yourself having fun. If it's you know, gone, or, yeah. yeah. Or think about what you need to think about or be focused on what you need to be focused on. Like if you're, if you're focused on what you need to be focused on in the moment, it's like, Hey, let's run with it. Hey, let's hold this focus as long as you can. I know as, now that I'm coaching again this summer and I coach a little bit this spring as well. Uh, that's one thing that I'll tell athletes during a game, especially a pitcher that's on the mound. I'll be like, Hey, hold that focus, hold that focus right there. And, um, so that would be them running with it, running with that focus, running with that thought that they're, they're having in that moment. So that's the one thing. Today's going to be a good day. Wake up. Today's going to be a good day. Wake up. Today's going to be a good day. Wake up. Today's going to be a good day. Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again, and if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go elevate others.